Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, If you would, you can turn your Bibles with me to Psalms. Uh, This is something that the Lord uh, shared with me uh, this couple of weeks ago, just on culture and how, you know, oftentimes we... um, we live at such a fast-paced life that we never slow down enough to allow, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to be able to, to fight the, this great struggle of the culture. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and, and he, he really shared with me something that I feel like if, if we're going to, you know, we talked on the culture for eight weeks or so, and, um, and I felt like it was time to kind of come to a close uh, and transition out, but God gave me this last message to kind of to kind of dovetail everything together, and it's in Psalms 23. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to Psalms 23, and most of us know this passage through sports and, you know, the football teams that pray this prayer, and they, you know, the, take me to the, it's like, you know, this, that's what it's kind of known as, as this prayer that we pray, and I think it's so much deeper, and it's got so much more meaning than what we may realize, and um, I want to I read this out of a couple different passages, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of dive into it and dissect it a little bit. Uh, Psalms 23, this is David, and David's coming from the place of he was a shepherd, like he was a shepherd boy, so he, he's and having this analogy between how he, you know, worked along with, as a shepherd with the sheep, and how God has become the shepherd and we're the sheep. And the scripture talks about it in John 10, that we are sheep, that we hear his voice, right? And that we're led by the voice of God. And so there's a lot of parallels that come along with this. And this is how he, he, he kind of pins this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for my enemies, for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. All the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read this real quick, and then we'll pray and and move on. It says this, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His, His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You mean close to me, you remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, your un- of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? 
For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the reality of who you are in our lives and the desire, God, for you to be the shepherd of our lives. And Father, I pray that you would help us, God, become sheep that follow you, that are led by you, that are guided by you into these places of rest and restoration and reviving. And Lord, I thank you this morning, God, that you would revive hearts this morning, that you would refresh people this morning. God, that your word, God, would steady people this morning. And Father, I thank you that as that happens, Lord, that we would live our lives for you, making you more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen or welcome or good morning or whatever you want. You know, I was thinking about this whole text and how this is so um, necessary for us living in a culture that is, I don't know if you would say this or would you agree that that culture is extremely fast paced and, and it's only getting faster. It's only getting, you know, technology is only speeding up. Culture is only, it's only you know, it's only increasing, it's not decreasing in expectations and demands. I mean, you know, if they could add another week, a day to our week, they probably would, um, but that's just not possible. So it, it's just crazy how fast life is, right? You, you know, you get out of church and it's like you, you go into the real world again and you're like, man, like the demands are heavy on our lives. And we get used to it. That's the reality is most of us are used to the pace that our lives are in. And we usually don't realize that we're running too fast until we break, right? Until our lives begin to break and fall apart. That's when we realize I'm running too fast. I'm running too long without a break. And I don't know if you've ever been driving, you know, you may be going 55 miles an hour and then there's like this reduced speed sign. Then all of a sudden it says slow and it's in yellow caution. And what do you do? Either you speed and break the law and you get a ticket or you slow down. And I know for me what I tend to do is when I see a slow sign like that, I think of kids, first of all. I think, obviously, there's some children around. And I begin to observe what's around me, right? I begin to see, why are they asking me to slow down? And I begin to look around to see, what's the purpose of the sign? And I feel like that, that as culture is speeding up, Jesus is putting this slow sign in our lives and saying, hey, slow down. You need to start looking around and see how everybody else is living their lives. Is this your future? Is this what you want with your life? And that God is out of his love is throwing up a slow down sign so that you can slow your life down enough to let God do what he wants to do in your life. I don't know about you. If you, how many of you, any God, anybody seen NASCAR or you're a fan of NASCAR racing? Cool. Oh, we had three people last week. We had none. I mean this service. Okay, cool. Anybody NASCAR? Yes. No. Okay, cool. There you go. So NASCAR has this thing that they do. It's called pit stops. They do, you know, they'll go around however many hundreds of times. And my dad was a huge NASCAR fan, so I grew up cutting my teeth on NASCAR, and I loved it. I was raced, I raced a car. Actually, I was thinking about this. My wife doesn't even probably know this, but I raced cars at 15 years old um, because it's just my dad. That's we were. That's what we did. And but I remember like seeing NASCAR for the first time, and these cars come in, you know off the, the racetrack at 100 miles an hour. They come in and they get four tires changed and a, a tank of gas, a windshield wipe, the whole car wiped down in 13 seconds. I'm like, whoa, okay. And I think that 
a lot of us have become prone to living our Christian lives like that. Like we've got laps to get done. And if we can just get into the pit stop, God, you need to change my tires, fill me up and let me get back to life. And right, we wouldn't probably say that, but really how fast are we living our lives? Are we, are we like coming in? You know, there were some, I watched some videos I watched that as I watched them, these cars came in so fast that they blew past their pit stop and literally had to go back in reverse and come back in and get changed. I'm like, some of us, we go in for a pit stop and we're coming in so fast that we pass, we pass our opportunity. And I feel like God is asking us, when will you slow down? And there's, a, there's 12 spiritual disciplines that, that the, the, the church fathers will say, when the church, the early church started outside of just the apostles, that there were 12 disciplines that they said, we have to keep these things connected to the church. If we lose these 12 things, we lose the church. And there, one of them was silence and solitude. And I think that, that we are on our way to losing that role because of the pressures of culture. Culture is telling us you gotta make laps before you are good enough. You gotta achieve. You gotta get here. You've gotta have this life. You've gotta get this. And I'm here to tell you and help you to say, hey, slow down. Rest. Let the Holy Spirit fill you up. And here, Paul, I mean, Paul, here, David begins to share He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And the reality is, is that God has all you need. The the, the reality is, is do you think he has it though? Like if you, if you are not convinced that God has everything you need, then you try to find it somewhere else. And so God is saying, hey, this is, this is what you have to learn that I'm your shepherd. And Paul in this moment, you know, when you let a sheep out into a field, right? Because we're talking about agriculture here for a moment. When, when you let a sheep out into the field, it doesn't come up and rub its head up against the shepherd. It's, it, it's very standoffish. It doesn't know if you're there to kill it or to run it off. It doesn't understand. Like the sheep don't understand what the shepherd's role is over until over the course of time. And, and I think sometimes we understand we have to get to know the role of the shepherd, of the father, and what his role is in our lives, or we assume that he is going to, he is going to take us to dry places and not green meadows. And here is my challenge for all of us, because this is one of those sermons that it's kind of like, it's like we all understand it, but we're not fully convinced of it. And you know, because really what, what, What's happening here is Paul, I mean, my gosh, why do I keep saying Paul? David, David, you know, we believe as a Christians that tithing, we can, we can be better off with 90% than 100%. But oftentimes when it comes to our time, we aren't convinced that God can do the same thing with our time. So let me, let me say, why am I saying that? Because I think we all have some questions right now. Like right now, you're like, silence. I don't have time. I don't have time for it. My schedule just doesn't make time. I don't have the time or capacity with my family, with my career, with my, my different things that I've got going on in life. I don't have time for silence. Right, right now, you're wrestling with the reality, can, I even, can this even be a practical reality in my life? Or the other question you, that you may be asking me is, is, I've gotten by so far without it, why do I need it? And so we have different questions, and, and to answer that question, I would say that you, you've gotten by, but God didn't give his cross, he didn't give himself on the cross for you just to get by. And oftentimes that's what happens is we're like, well, I'm getting by or I don't have time. 
And there's some other questions that maybe you have. And maybe through this sermon that, that, that God will help answer those things. But I think that we have to understand that here, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so when we go back to that reality that the sheep is open, it gets, it gets put in the field. And then as it gets into the field, it has to get to know the shepherd. Right? And so I think sometimes we think that it's like, okay, if I tell you to, to, to learn and to create a life of silence, that you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm good to go. But the reality is, and that's my first point that I want to set up here is this, is that a life of silence is cultivated. It's not discovered. You are not going to discover a life of silence. You are, how, you are going to have to cultivate a life of silence. Cultivation, the word cultivation, is the, it's, it comes from the word of culture, which is the reputation. It's doing repetition over and over and over until it becomes something. It's like for right now with, with, with Anaya's not there yet, but Jaylee, we're teaching her in a culture, a, a culture of honor and respect. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Respecting other people. She didn't come out of the womb saying yes, ma'am and yes, sir. I, we've had to cultivate that. And out of that, that would become a lifestyle for her. Hopefully when she gets older and she's interacting with people, she'll be respectful and she'll honor people. But it's got to be cultivated, and silence has to be cultivated. You're not going to leave this sermon today being like, well, I'm convinced. I am 100% going to be silent with the Lord. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a struggle to get into a place of silence. You're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna always, the enemy will give you opportunities to justify why you don't need to be in silence. Because he understands the power of what happens in it. So, Silence, a life of silence is not, it just doesn't just happen. It's cultivated. It's never going to be discovered. Right? So, so silence is this practice of being absent from people and things to attend to God. God, this is us. We, when we get into a place of silence, what we're saying is, is I want to attend to God. I want to be with God while people and things are necessary that I have to get done. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to attend to God. Now, some of you right now are already assuming because you may, you know, it's like when you need, you need to read the Bible, all of you say, I need to read the Bible all the way through this week, this month. Like, we go to extremes. And so when I say silence, you may be saying, I don't have an hour to give to God, but do you have five? Do you have five minutes that you can spend with God? Do you have seven minutes to be with God? Do you have ten minutes to be with God? Because the reality is, is if you can just begin to spend some time with him, you know, there's a reason why it was a spiritual discipline for the church. There was a, there's a reason why God talks about being silent and being with God. There's, there's a purpose behind it. It is not for God to control 10 minutes of your day. It's so that God can put in you what he needs to put in you so that you can thrive and be what God's called you to be in this world. In this chaotic world, you can be the peace that somebody needs because you've been with peace. You can be the hope for somebody because you've been with hope. You can be the joy for somebody because you've been in the joyful presence of the Lord. See, oftentimes we are trying to be something we haven't been in. We haven't been in his presence, so therefore we never can be what God is asking us to be. We want to put on our church clothes and come to church and expect that because we came to church, we're going to become Christians and we're going to become people that change the world. You change the world 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes in silence and solitude with the Lord. If you really want to know how mature you are as a, as a believer, see how long you can sit in silence. 
Like just me doing that made you feel awkward. Like literally if I just stared at you for like 10 seconds, it feels like 45 seconds or a minute. And you're like, what is going on in here? It's like in conversations, right? If, I don't know, some of you, I'm at, you know, you may be in a conversation and it's like everybody's talking and then it gets quiet. And then you're just like, Peter, just say something. Because it's like, it's awkward silence, right? Like, you, you know, it's like to have to wrestle with silence sometimes. And when I talk about silence, I'm not talking about getting out your Bible and reading a scripture, turning on worship music. I'm literally meaning silence. Like, go in there and sit down in your favorite spot. And sit there for 10 minutes. Five minutes. Okay, I told you five minutes. So we'll do five minutes. Five minutes. And the reality is, is sometimes to, to be, to have to sit with us is tough. To have to sit with our emotions, to have to sit with our baggage, to have to sit with our past, to have to sit with the things that we're wrestling with is a struggle. But what happens in those five minutes could alter the future of your life. And oftentimes the enemy, if he can keep you out of silence, he keeps you out of the provision that God has for you. So how many of us are willing to leave people and things to attend to God? See, silence, what, really what silence is, is silence is not working on the exterior. We do so many things to get pretty, to get in shape, to be presentable. I mean, some of y'all are just naturally that way. God bless you. You don't have to do anything. Like, your house just looks beautiful, right? But, but so many times, we'll do a lot more work on the exterior of our lives than we will on the interior. And sil- silence and solitude, they don't deal with the outside part of it. They deal with the inside, right? It would be terrible for you to have an incredibly looking awesome house on the outside, but the inside, you got floors that are holes in your floor, you got mildew on the walls, you got a couple of, you got mice hanging out, right, you got, you got cockroaches behind the pictures, like, right, like, but the house looks great on the outside. Silence is what gets the rats out of the house, gets the cockroaches off the wall, gets the mildew off the wall. And, at the, and, and if we're honest, some of us have those things going on in our interior lives, but until we sit with God, we miss out on what needs to get out of us. It may, be an, it may be an area of pride in our lives. But until you're willing to sit with God and him say, hey, you're kind of functioning out of pride a little bit. And your friends have been telling you for six years. But until God speaks it, you tend to not want to do anything about it. Silence is, it is the antidote to fight against the culture of this world. If you don't get in silence you will intentionally live at a pace of life that you cannot sustain to try to keep the enemy, I mean, to try to keep silence from trying to be able to come up in your heart and in your mind. You know, silence is slowing down to resist the ways of the world to hear what the Lord is saying to you. You know, it's like those NASCAR, you know, as that thing's going around, right, as it's going around, they're going around hundreds of miles an hour. And as they go by, and if the Lord is speaking, and you're this car going around, he wants to tell you something, you're giving the Lord seconds to speak into your life. When you, when you, when you avoid silence, what you're expecting God to do is to him to touch your life at the, at the level of pace you want to live your life. 
and you're living at such a fast pace in culture because of the culture. I've got to get to work. I got to do the kids. I got to. I got to. I got to take them to work. I got to feed them. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do laundry. I got to do this. And we have all of these we, these things. But the reality is, is Jesus proves that in three years, what he does is he's trying to let us know that if you can be with God, you can change the world. He did. He came and in three and a half years of his ministry, changed the world. What you can do with five minutes of silence or 10 minutes of silence, or, and it could be 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunch, 10 minutes in the, in the evening. It could be five minutes and five minutes and five minutes that you literally say, okay, God, I'm, I'm acknowledging that I need you, that I love you, that you're for me, that you are my shepherd. I'm going to give you five minutes, Lord, and just sit there in, that minute, in, the, in those five minutes and just let the Lord speak. Because when you choose not to, you're expecting God to speak as if you're a NASCAR driver. And he's like, hey, I love, hi. And you never give him the opportunity to speak into you things that he wants to be able to, to do, to say, to help change your life. To help encourage you. To help tell you that you're going the right direction. That you're going to be an incredible parent. That you're going to be an incredible husband or an incredible wife. Or you're going to, have, you're going to be able to be the, grand, the grandparent that, that your grandkids love. Because you're going to give them what they need. But so many times we live at such a fast pace that God can't say anything to us. That we don't give him the opportunity. Silence is permission. It's, this is what I love. It says his, he lets me rest in green meadows. Lets me. He doesn't say he, he makes me. He lets me. He noticed that, that there's this green meadows. And, and it's, a, it's a, an analogy of a lush field that has lots of, of, of provision. Right? So green fields. He's letting them know, like, he lets me rest in green meadows so that I can be nourished, so that I can have everything that I need. The silence is permission from God to get rest and peace. It's God's blessing on your life to say, I give you permission to rest. He says, I let you. Right now, God is giving you permission and the world is saying, you don't have time. You don't have time. You got to get going. Let's go, buddy. You got to achieve. You got to get here. You got to attain this. And we are listening to whichever voice we give ourselves to. And we end up living a life in a pace of life where we burn out. We can't handle, we, we do things to self-destruct because we're living at a pace that our lives were never made to live in. You know, the world will never give you rest and peace. It will give you things, and when that thing runs out, it'll give you another thing to obtain. It's like, here you go, you can do this, and then you get that, and then you get this item, and then you get that, and then you get this thing, and then you, right, there's always, the, the world will never give you rest and peace. It tries to put pressure on you to obtain and to get and to achieve and to succeed and to do all these things. And Jesus' model is, hey, can you sit right here and just hang out with me for five minutes? He lets you hang out in meadows. It says that he gives you rest. And then it goes on, it says this, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. This is where, like, okay, I can breathe. I can, I can get my day caught up. I can allow something to settle. You know, I don't know if you've ever been into, like, you get into the lake or you get into a creek when you start walking around it and all of a sudden, even if it's clear, there's murkiness that begins, the sediment starts to stir. What happens? You, you have to sit still. 
If you sit still in a creek or a lake long enough, the sediment drops, and now you can see your feet where you couldn't. You can see you have a clarity that you didn't have. And many of us, we want to know which direction God is taking our lives. Like, God, what do you want me to do in my life? I think if we're all honest in here, we would like to know, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing with my family? What are you doing with my kids? God, where are you going to take them? You know, I think about that all the time. I think when I pray over Anaya and I pray over Jaylee every night, you know, we do this. We've been praying over our kids since the day that they were born. And every night, one of us will go in and pray and talk to them about, you know, what. obviously Anaya's not quite talking yet. I mean, she is, but she's not quite there yet. But Jay will sit there and talk. And I always wonder as I'm praying over her and Anaya, I'm like, what are they going to do for the Lord? Like, what are my kids? The, I see, we always pray this prayer that, God, we thank you that our kids are an arrow in the hands of Almighty God. And it's like, what is God going to do with them? And this, when you sit in silence, you begin to see things that you didn't see before about your kids, about your marriage, about your friends, about, and let me do this, say this, I don't go into silence to hear about you. If I do, that's narcissism. I go to prayer to hear what God is saying to me about me. Because oftentimes what we do, right, we go in and we're like, Lord, you need to get them. And I'm not saying we don't pray for people. But in silence, in silence, we need to let God address our own interior lives. That it's not about what, what's going on in Brandon's life. And I'm praying, God, I pray that you get Brandon. God, I pray that you deal with whatever. No. I let God deal with me about my attitudes, my motives, my, my perspective. And when I do this, all of a sudden, things that are real murky and don't make sense, all of a sudden begin to become clear. And I begin to go, oh, so that's why I reacted like that. Okay. Oh, that's why I feel like that when somebody says that. Okay, I get it. There are traumas and there are things that are in our lives that when somebody says something, it triggers me. Why? Well, as I sit in silence, God brings clarity to those things. And then I begin to now, where I was once maybe insecure or frustrated, I would react in anger. Now I begin to say, okay, God, thank you for illuminating, illuminating that. So now... I realized I was reacting out of a place of, of my past or somehow somebody did something to me. And as I sit in silence, God, you begin to expose that. Or maybe a motive that's wrong. And it's like, oh, I'm trying to build this life and trying to. And when I'm in that, God's like, are you trying to build your life or mine? But it's also moments where he's encouraging you and he's speaking life and he's saying, look, I'm so, I'm so proud of who you are and what you've surrendered and what you've given to me and what you're pursuing. And when you hear that from the creator of the universe, it does something for you. It realizes, it puts a confidence in you that says, I don't have to choose. I don't have to chase the world to, to, to obtain. My, the father of the universe has told me he's pleased with me. And so many of us need to hear that because when we don't, we live through the voices of everybody else. I've got to hear what my wife has to tell. I need affirmation from her before I can feel, feel fulfilled. I need a friend, I need, a, after the sermon, I need seven people to tell me how great of a sermon it was, right? I live off of the voices of, of, of everybody else if I don't have my time with God. This is a spiritual discipline that we all have to take in and begin to apply to our lives if we want to fight and get and, and resist the enemy. You know, it, it slows us down enough to see how the world is really influencing our lives, right? Like you... You get into silence and all of a sudden the song that you've been listening to and you're like, you, all of a sudden your head is beaten to it and you're sitting and saying like, okay, wow, 
that song is influencing me way more. You start thinking about something that happened. It starts to show you, oh, wow, it's influencing you way more than you realize. That's why you're thinking about it. That situation that you said you're fine, you're fine about three times, why is it, why is it coming up in your mind right now? Because you're not fine. So it exposes the real you. Right? See, I don't know about you, if you can bring that up real quick. You know, if this picture is the Lord, this is the God wanting to, to fill us up, oftentimes, like, here's the deal. The Lord is not going to waste who he is on people that do not want it. God is not just a constant rubber running, you know, it's just like, it's just like, he doesn't just pour it out like that. He waits for those who choose to get in silence. And as you, you start to do this, like, he's like, you know, I have, you get busy. You looking at my notes? <laughs> and... You know, the, like the Lord wants to do this with us. He wants to fill up our cups. He wants to put in things that we need. But so many times we're running laps in life, in culture, and everything is going on around us that it's like, hey, if you don't, here's the deal. God is not going to chase you down and say, hey, I've got, I got something for you. Hey, hey. Like, no, that's not what the Lord is going to do. The Bible says, David uses the illustration that the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd, the true shepherd does not drive, they lead. They let you, are you willing to follow me where I go? Do you trust me enough to put you in that field and take you to that stream so that I can ultimately fill you up? And sometimes you don't know you needed that drink until he pours your cup and you're like, oh, I needed that. I needed that refreshment. I needed that revive. I needed that. And he's like, do you want more? And in that moment you say, and maybe, you know, sometimes it's like, maybe it is only five minutes and the Lord gives you just a little bit and that's, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna come back. That was good. Taste, in the, taste the Lord in you and it'll be good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's it, yep. Thanks, preacher. Right? <laughs> taste and see. And then that, what that happens is that you come back. Maybe it only was for a few minutes, but you're like, man, Lord, that did so much more for me than I realized. And it's amazing how much faith we have in food. I mean, most of us can eat literally in less than, you can take that, in less than five minutes, seven, eight, ten minutes. I mean, my wife can eat in two. I mean, you put that food down, it is gone. You look back at her, it's like gone. She's like, that was great. Mm, thank you. I'm like, it's impressive. Like, did you taste it? Oh, yeah, it was good. I'm like, Okay. Right, like sometimes that's how life is. Like we just, cons we're like, bam. It's like, Lord is like, but it's still, regardless of how fast it, she ate it, it still did its job. Now she has more time to talk because that's what she loves to do. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but right, like sitting in silence is where it's at. Let me just tell you, this ain't gonna go on, this is not going on YouTube and it's gonna go viral. This sermon is not going viral. Because this is, the, this is the resistance that the culture says, there's no way that I can afford to do that. There's no way that I can give up that kind of time. There's no way that that'll give me what I need. But yet, this is the scriptures. This is even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me. For your staff, protect and comfort me. The second point that I want to hit on is this, is that silence produces the strength to resist the flesh and surrender to the spirit. Like what you need is not necessarily more church or more scripture 
or more worship, but possibly some more silence. That in that is where you are strengthened, that your interior man is strengthened to be able to resist the flesh. How many of y'all would say the flesh is strong? I mean, that's what the Bible says. That the flesh is strong. But I want you to understand that, that when we give ourselves to the spirit, it becomes stronger. It allows us to resist the temptations of this world and the culture and the pressures that the world's putting on us to try to achieve and to try to be, achieve and to try to be something that God isn't even putting on our plate. You know, we talked about last week about renewing our minds. And, and sometimes you don't get the privilege in those moments where your mind is thinking about something to actually renew it, right? So what happens is, is when you get into a place of silence, you begin to be able to, to allow the Holy Spirit to think about that, to make you think about that thought. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to do that. And the, the, the silence is the furnace for transformation. It's like when you put a, 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 a thing of dough in an oven. It goes in not edible. Preferably not edible. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not really into to raw dough. But when you put it into the, into the oven, it makes what is once raw and not, not edible, edible and, and actually more satisfying. That oftentimes transformation of our minds comes through not necessarily quoting a scripture over and over and over again. It actually comes from sitting in the presence of God and allowing the furnace of his presence to speak to that thought. To allow, the, to allow God's words to penetrate those thoughts and it begins to take captive those thoughts and we begin to be like, okay God, I see what you're saying here. I see what you're doing here. I see where you're going here. And it begins to help shift our entire lives because of that sitting in silence begins to transform us, right? See, transform, it comes to renew our thoughts. It becomes to, it comes to capture those things and say, okay, here. And one of the, I, I would say one of the things is I've been practicing and, and working out this sitting in silence thing. The biggest struggle is the thoughts that come in that I begin to dwell on those things. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. And guess what you have to do? Even if you have to get a journal and maybe write down whatever it is, and then set it aside. And then if there's something else, you, it's, again, we go back to the first point. Silence is cultivated, not discovered. You're going to have to learn how to be silent. And you're going to fail. I'm going to give you permission to fail in silence. Because you're going to. You're going to have this, like, man, I, you wake up and I am so excited to do this. You get in there and all of a sudden you were thinking about yesterday and last week and last year and how that person, if they got in your way like six months ago and I can't believe they did. You're like, how am I even thinking? I don't even know I'm thinking of this. Because the enemy can't stand you sitting in silence because he understands the power of it. He understands what happens in it. There's this quote by Henry Nouwen and this is what he says. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusion of the false self. Think about that. That without silence, we become victims of our society. How right now, are, how right now is, the, is the society telling you and cheering you on about the false self you are? The false self, because every one of us have an imposter in us. That is the false us. 
that the culture champions and cheers on. But silence kills those fans, those cheerleaders that are cheering on the false you. Yeah, you can keep being insecure. You can keep go ahead living in fear. You can go ahead and keep worrying. You should. You should worry. Look at what's going on in our world. And the false, the, the cheerleaders of this culture cheer on and celebrate the false you. Instead of when you get into silence, you are allowed to hear, you're allowed, able to hear the voice of the Lord and what he's saying about those false aspects of who you are. And you give permission to allow Lord to speak to those false places in your life. In Psalms 37, 7, it says this. It says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently. Wait. I mean, if, I think that if there's anything we as believers have lost is the ability to wait on the Lord. That if society can get it to us faster, well then that's the angle I'll go. But the problem is, is what God, what God gives you versus what the world gives you is different. But sometimes we, we just don't have the ability to wait. And I love how he, he says this, take, it says this, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. In other words, when I get into silence, I anticipate God is going to do something. That, that's why I wait. You know, oftentimes when you get in silence, you're waiting in faith. You're waiting for God to speak something, to, to say something, to do something. And as you wait, God speaks. And I close with this one. Isaiah 40, verse 30, and verse 31, it says this, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. The third and final thing that, that I want to say is this, is that waiting creates space to hear God. Waiting creates a space for God to speak to you. I know that is such a profound statement, right? But really, what happens if you really do get silent and you wait? Waiting, what you do when you wait, is you're telling God, God, I believe that you will speak. I believe that you will say what I need to hear, even though I don't know what I need to hear. And when's the last time that you sat in silence? And I think we all have different uh, perceptions of what waiting is. Like sitting in silence is like, well, I've got to have, you know, a padded room and I've got to have all of this stuff perfect and I have to have the sun setting a certain direction and I've got to have, you know, the coffee right here and I can't, and we all have these certain things that we expect. And the reality is, is that you can be in silence folding clothes. You could literally be in your room. Last night I was folding clothes for my wife. She was doing some things and I literally went in there and I started folding and literally I just started talking to the Lord. I just started hearing the Lord speak to me while I'm folding clothes. Silence isn't always about you having to be in a padded room and this and that and all of these things because this is why I say that because most of us will excuse ourselves from not being in silence because we don't have the right environment. You can be in silence in your car on the way to work and saying, okay, God, 
I'm giving you the tithe of my time right now. Speak, Lord. And you position your heart. Understand, silence is, is about the heart, not about the room you're in. It's about you willing to say, okay, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to share with, it, share with me whatever it is about me. And sometimes it's going to be encouragement. Sometimes it's going to say, hey, why are you trying to be like everybody else wants you to be? Why don't you be who I created you to be? And sometimes it's going to say, hey, you reacted like you were really, like, got really angry. This is why you did that. But the reality is, is we oftentimes will never realize who we are until we sit in silence and let God speak to us to, to say what he needs to say about us to us. You know, it shouldn't be that, that somebody else has to come tell me about what God sees in me. It should be that I've been with God and I can hear him for myself. And the reality is, is that God wants to speak to you. God wants to share with you. You can stand as I, as I close. But what happens when we don't wait? This is what happens is we move into a place of activity. We, we, we base our faith off of activity. How busy we are, how much we're accomplishing for God. We're going to church, we're discipling, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And we begin to justify, God, I can't spend time with you. Look what I'm doing for you. When God, cre- you know, it's interesting that God named us human beings, not human doings. Right? It's because we're supposed to be with him. But we take the being out and we do the doing because doing is so much easier because activity makes us feel better. Activity makes us feel like we're accomplished, like we've obtained. And see, sitting in silence feels like, like I haven't done anything, Lord. But this is, this is what God has asked us to do. He's asking us, will we sit in silence? Will we sit with him and let him speak? You know, some of, of Jesus' most profound moments in scripture are found when he comes out of a place of silence. Go look it up. You'll see that as you go through the scriptures, that some of the most profound and most interesting moments of his entire stories of miracles come out of a place of him being in a solitude place, in a silence place, in a resting place. And it says that when the crowds came and they were hammering him with stuff, it says that his heart was moved with compassion. Because see, when you've been with Jesus, you can be like Jesus. And I want to encourage you that you would begin to apply this to your life. That you would say, okay, I'm going to set up a timer every week, every day, five minutes, I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him however much time you pray through and say, okay, I can give him 15. I can give him 15 here and I can give him 15 here. I can give him five here. I can give him five here. That you, you pray through that, but that you would make it a, a commitment to say, okay, God, I'm going to create a discipline in my life where I'm going to give you time so that I can resist the ways of the world, the pressures of this world, so that I can know who you are in me and I can know who I am. Because the, the Lord would love for you to live from a place of, of that false self. And here's the reality. Hear me that you will never please the false self of you. You will never, ever satisfy the false self of you. You will do everything you, you think you need to do and you will still come up empty because you're living, you're trying to please something that isn't who you really are. 
But when you get into a place of silence, you begin to say, okay, God, this is, all you deer hunters, like, this is the perfect season. When you're sitting in that stand, don't pray for the big boy to show up. Say, Lord, thank you that I can get out, get out here and be in peace and quiet. Now bring the big boy. <laughs> Look, we all have opportunities. We just have to make them. We all have time. We've all been given this equal amount of time in a day, 24 hours. We'll all have to sacrifice differently. We'll all have to make time differently. My challenge for you is that you be convinced that it's worth giving him your time. That silence is a discipline that you're going to apply to your life. Say, okay, God, I have to have this in my life because being with you for five minutes is better than being out in the world and and everything that it can give me. And that first point is gonna be the most crucial one because silence is is cultivated, it's not discovered. You're never gonna get to the place where it's like, okay. Because what happens typically is you begin to wanna give more time to God and then you have to to create more ways of, of doing that creatively. My heart for you is that you really become convinced of this discipline to apply to your life. That if you're going to resist the enemy, if you're going to resist the culture and the ways of this world, that you're going to have to be willing to give him some time to work in your life, to, to go through the, the house and say, hey, that, that needs to come out. That needs to be moved. This needs to be rearranged. That needs to go out permanently. And him to go into the interior life and to begin to go to work. So I want to pray over you and ask that the Lord would bless your time this week and give you creative ways to, if you're married, creatively to be able to work with each other, to give each other time. Not time away from kids. That's not what this is about. This is about time with God. And when it gets to become a different ulterior motive, then you've lost the purpose of doing it. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would help every single person in this room, God, be able to find a place of silence and solitude. God, that you would become the shepherd of our lives. God, that you would allow us to be led by your spirit and guided by your presence, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you, God, for all that you are in our lives all that you're doing, God. And I thank you that you would help us cultivate a life of silence, a discipline in our lives to hear your voice over the loudness, over the, the, the pressures of this world. God, that you would allow us to slow down to be with you. Father, I thank you for the different God encounters this week that will come. In silence comes the great struggle and the great encounter. That God, that as we may struggle to be in your silence, God, that out of it will come great encounters. God, that it would be a place, a furnace for transformation. That God, that as we get in there five minutes, as we get in there 10 minutes, God, that you begin to transform our hearts, our minds, our perceptions, our motives, our ambitions, our drive, everything that we do, God, that it's led and guided by us being with you. And it's in your name that we pray.
Father, I thank you that bless every person in this room. In Jesus' name. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've prayed the prayer and you lost your way, you got caught up in just the ways of this world, and you said, this morning, I want to give my life back to the Lord. I want to recommit my heart and life to Him. So either you're, you're, you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time or you're recommitting your life. I want to give you an opportunity in this moment to say, I'm coming back to the Lord. I'm getting my life right. I'm surrendering my heart to Him. If that's you this morning, I want to ask, if you just slip your hand up just so I can know who you are, I could be praying for you this week. He said, that's me. I'm giving my life, recommitting my heart. Thank you for that hand. Father, we thank you that you would bless them this week, minister to them, love on them. If you would just pray this prayer with me, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner and I need your grace. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. I ask you, Jesus, reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give them a hand this morning?